I'm Nick Park and this is the XXXY Files, a series of messages, podcasts and videos from Evangelical Alliance Ireland on sexuality and gender, helping and equipping Christians to hold and share a biblical position with clarity and love. This is file 11, how to establish precedents for Christians, freedoms and rights. Last week we were discussing what to do when our Christian values and beliefs come into conflict with LGBT and gender ideology in the public square, and particularly in educational settings. As we said last week, it is quite likely that court cases may be needed to establish the rights of Christian believers, both students and teachers, to maintain their values and principles within the educational system. For those who are caught up in such legal proceedings, This can be extremely upsetting. Christian young people go to school or college to get an education. Christian teachers enter their profession out of a desire to bless young people. No one is looking to be a defendant in court or to be vilified in mainstream and social media. Yet many of the rights we enjoy for both Christians and non-Christians were established by legal precedent. Test cases often provide a legal foundation that then influences our understanding of what behaviour is acceptable and unacceptable in wider society. There are three vital questions we should ask about any test case. 1. Can this case establish legal boundaries that will help other Christians to exercise their rights to hold and express Christian values? 2. Can this case influence wider society so as to promote opportunities for other Christians to present a biblical viewpoint in the media or in everyday interactions with non-Christians? And three, during this case, are the Christians involved displaying the truth and grace of Jesus Christ? These three aspects are interrelated. If we demonstrate the truth and grace of Jesus, then we are much more likely to create a positive climate of public opinion that allows other followers of Jesus to share and explain their faith and values. Legal cases should be decided on the basis of laws and facts, but disruptive behaviour tends to alienate judges and juries and makes it more likely that attention is diverted away from our very reasonable freedoms and rights. Those campaigning for freedom and justice have long recognised that having the wrong test case can be very damaging and set the wrong precedents for the future. For example, most of us are familiar with Rosa Parks refusing to move to the back of a bus to make way for a white man. She became a test case that successfully challenged segregation laws in the southern United States. What is not so well known is that Rosa had already been mentoring Claudette Colvin, a 15-year-old African-American girl who, eight months earlier, had refused to give up her seat to make way for a white woman. Colvin was subsequently convicted of assault for resisting arrest, and she was also portrayed as rebellious at school and was pregnant and unmarried. Some have argued that Claudette Colvin was treated badly by the civil rights movement in that she, and not Rosa Parks, should have been the face of opposition to racial segregation on public transport. But it is unlikely that the freedoms won and injustices removed would have happened nearly as quickly. The dynamics and optics of what happened with Rosa Parks made it a much easier test case to win, and the positive effects for the cause she espoused continue to this day. With all that in mind, let's consider a very public controversy that has been playing out in the Irish courts and media in recent months. 
A teacher, Enoch Burke, has been removed from his post, barred from attending the school which he used to teach, and both fined and imprisoned for contempt of court. This all stemmed from the school asking staff to refer to a student by a new name and to use differently gendered pronouns because of the students identifying as a different gender to that of their birth. Let's try our three questions. One, can this case establish legal boundaries that will help other Christians to exercise their rights to hold and express Christian values? I am no lawyer and nobody should take my opinion as legal advice, but as a Christian, I would support and defend Mr. Burke's refusal to compromise his sincerely held beliefs by addressing a student by a name and pronouns that identified them as a new gender. However, all the disciplinary and legal focus has been about his subsequent behaviour, not on his initial refusal to comply with the school's demands. The Burke family have insisted that uh, the school disciplinary proceedings and all the legal actions that have followed are all about transgenderism. The plain fact, however, is that the rights of a teacher to refuse such instructions have not yet been tested in court or even in the school's internal disciplinary procedures. There are legal principles we can draw from this case going forward. We can see that a school is legally entitled to suspend and ultimately dismiss a teacher for the manner in which they address the school principal in public and in front of students. We can see that a refusal to stay away from a place of employment while suspended can lead to a court injunction. And we have seen that ignoring a court order and failing to purge a contempt of court can lead to fines and imprisonment. But as for the right for a teacher to maintain and express their sincerely held beliefs and values in the face of instructions to the contrary, that has not been tested legally at all. It may well be in the future. And hopefully that will be handled much better than the current case. Question number two. Can this case influence wider society so as to promote opportunities for other Christians to present a biblical viewpoint in the media or in everyday interactions with non-Christians? In my opinion, this whole controversy, including the widespread media coverage, has not helped Christians gain a hearing for our biblical positions on gender issues. I would not presume to judge what goes on in the hearts and minds of the Burke family, but the public perception of them appears to be extremely negative. Before this particular controversy, they had already featured in a number of legal disputes and also in difficult interactions with Christian churches and leaders. I think it is fair to say that the current media attention has made it considerably more difficult for other believers to explain and promote biblical values. Question number three. During this case, are the Christians involved displaying the truth and grace of Jesus Christ? For me, this is the saddest aspect of the Enoch Burke case. Again, God, only God can judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, but man looks on the outward appearance, 1 Samuel 16, 7. Obviously, not being God, I can only see from the outside. It may well be that the Burke family are really lovely, gentle people, but sadly, that isn't what is being communicated. Looking on from the outside, there appears to be little of the truth or grace of Jesus Christ on display to a watching world. I have zero interest in engaging in controversy with the Burks or about them, but I do find this whole situation to be very saddening indeed. I want the people of Ireland to see the beauty of Jesus, 
and this case hasn't helped. Mihor Martin, the Taunister of Ireland, and for my non-Irish audience that means the Deputy Prime Minister, has tried to blame the behaviour of the Burke family on the fact that the children were homeschooled. That was an unwarranted slur that was deeply offensive to many families that I know that homeschool their children. I would suggest that a deeper problem is not the lack of relationships in a school, but the lack of relationships in a church. Jesus calls us to a personal relationship with God, but he also calls us into relationship with one another as we build his church together. Christian discipleship is not a solitary pursuit, nor is it simply banding together within a biological family. We are called to worship, learn and witness as part of a, li part of a living community of believers. Evangelical Christians believe in the communion of the saints, that we are part of a long tradition of witness to the truth, and that in our relationships with each other, we discover how to learn from one another, how to forgive one another, and even how to disagree with one another in a Christ-like manner. We all need to be in a place where other Christians can sit us down and say, ah, come on, would you ever cop on to yourself? It is part of my testimony that being in fellowship with a diverse group of Christians has taught me that I can't shout and walk away every time I disagree with someone. I've had to learn to acknowledge my own failings, to repent of my own arrogance, to seek forgiveness when I've spoken harshly. This is called growing in grace. It's essential for me as a believer. I've not got it all figured out yet, but I'm learning with my fellow believers in this wonderful community of the saints that both globally and locally we call church. It's likely that we still face test cases that will ultimately help us establish our freedoms to be useful members of the community in schools and other sectors without having to forsake our biblical beliefs and values. At EAI, we want, as part of the Christian Church, to help in that process. So if you find yourself being forced in your place of employment to compromise your beliefs and values, then here's some advice. 1. Pray. Ask God to guide you in a way that will glorify Jesus. 2. Politely and respectfully explain that you can't deny your Christian principles. 3. Follow all your employer's procedures as regards grievances, discipline and conflict resolution. 4. Refrain from speaking or acting in a way that makes your reaction become the issue at hand, rather than the initial attempt to limit your religious rights and freedoms. 5. At all times seek to display the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. 6. Do seek good advice. 7. Talk to your church and church leaders. Ask them to pray for you. They are not infallible, but allow them to offer you godly advice. 8. If things do end up in tribunals or even in court, behave respectfully and obey all legal procedures, orders and injunctions unless they would involve a clear and obvious rejection of your faith. And number nine, please consider talking to Evangelical Alliance or a similar organisation. We are an active part of the European uh, Religious Liberty Forum. We can provide support and advice, and we have many contacts with specialists and experts in this whole area. We're approaching the end of the XXXY files, but the plan is to produce an expanded and more detailed version of these teachings in the form of a book. We'd also love to come to your church, your area, or your networks of churches and believers to present this material to a live audience and give more opportunity for questions and discussion.
but we've a couple more weeks to go. Next week, we're going to be addressing the issue of conversion therapy, including the proposed legislation currently being considered by our politicians. So do join us next week for episode 12 of the XXXY Files. And do feel free to get in touch with me at nick at evangelical.ie if you need something clarified or have a concern, a criticism or a word of encouragement. God bless you.